We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast Post Game Edition. I'm your host tonight, Jacob Niffin. You guys can find me on Twitter. Is that my name, Jacob Niffin? And I'm here to break down this Thunder loss, second loss in a row for OKC now. A bit of a tough stretch as far as opponents are concerned. Thunder drop a game to the Miami Heat, 115-108. to before we start talking about that game, though, I want to let you guys know we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, a great podcast network, has tons of NBA, NFL, other niche sports podcasts. Uh, it's a great time to, to check out Blue Wire. NBA season is in full swing. We're quickly approaching trade deadline. There's a lot of stuff that's going to happen, guys, so make sure that you're checking out Blue Wire pods. Um, also, NFL playoffs, we're, we're coming down the stretch here. So you can check them out at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter, BlueWirePods.com. And with Blue Wire, we are also brought to you today by Untuck It. I'll talk a little bit about them later. But again, the Thunder tonight drop a game 115-108 to against the Miami Heat. A game that really, the Thunder lost this game in the first quarter. The first quarter, the Thunder, when at the conclusion of the first quarter, the Thunder are down 40 to 26. They dig themselves in a 14 point hole. 26 points for the Thunder in the first quarter. That's that's acceptable. That's fine, right? 26 points is it's not great, but it's okay. But giving up 40 points, Miami just couldn't miss anything. They got a rhythm early and and really never let it go. And that seems like it's becoming a theme for this Thunder defense is they're letting teams we saw it in Toronto or not in Toronto, but against Toronto the other day, we see it again tonight. They have a problem 
of not coming out super aggressive and super physical and uh, and on it defensively and dig themselves in a hole. And now both games, Toronto a couple nights ago and then Miami tonight, they nearly crawl themselves out of that hole. But the problem is you can't dig yourself in that hole in the beginning. So 40 to 26 after the first quarter. When you look at the quarter-by-quarter breakdowns after that, uh, it's pretty well in the Thunder's hands. Second quarter, they tied 21 to 21. Third quarter, they tied 31 to 31. Fourth quarter, the Thunder outscored the Heat 23 to 30. So really, the Thunder did a, a really solid job after that first quarter, uh, hanging with the Heat and actually uh, outplaying them. But when you dig yourself in such a big hole early, trying to dig yourself out, it, it exerts so much energy, right? And then you really start to worry about that. It takes a lot of energy to to dig yourself out of that hole, to try to get the win. You end up losing anyways. And then you have a game 24 hours later, actually less than 24 hours later, against the Portland Trailblazers. So it, you kind of start to worry, does a loss tonight maybe start to bleed over into a loss tomorrow night because of tired legs. Uh, the Thunder have been playing a lot of basketball lately. They haven't had more than one night off in like a month, uh, and it will continue this way throughout the rest of January. So you kind of hope there's there's not a, a hangover effect from them pushing so hard in this game and then not being able to keep up with the Portland Trailblazers come Saturday night. Uh, the Thunder... Made a push late, but but couldn't get over the hump. And it's interesting because I was looking through the team stats before podcasting tonight at, okay, what what's the stat what or what's the collection of stats that's really going to tell the story of why Oklahoma City lost this game? And I think there is a, a bit of a story on why they lost this game, but the team stats don't really paint a picture. Um, let's look at them. Field goals. The Heat make four field goals more than the Thunder. Okay, just four. They both took 84 shots. Uh, The Heat shoot 4% better from the field. They're pretty much dead even. Like, they're 0.2% off from three-point range. Thunder actually make four more threes than the Heat. Free throw percentage. uh, The Thunder outshot the the Heat at the free throw line by about 9%, but it was only a difference of three points. Rebounds is a big one. The Thunder got out-rebounded by 10, uh, and those all came um, on the defensive end, right? The the Heat had 39 defensive boards. Thunder only had 29. Assists, pretty well even, 26 to 29. Steals are dead even. Blocks, 3 to 5. Turnovers, 11 to 10. Now, points off turnovers were big. The Heat scored 16 points off turnovers. The Thunder only got 9. That's a 7-point difference. That's the difference in the game. Fast break points, the Thunder actually beat the Heat there. Points in the paint, the Heat had 10 more. Fouls are even. Techs are even. So it's it's interesting. Like, you know, you would think if the Thunder lose a game, oh, their their field goal percentage was much lower, or their three-point percentage was way lower than the other team, or the other team made a lot of a lot more three-point baskets, or the other team had so many second chance points and, and offensive rebounds. None of those are really drastically different. They're all within a range that really you're comfortable with. So it's a fascinating thing um, 
I personally, I believe one of the main reasons why the Thunder lost this game tonight, uh, you can chalk it up to the Miami Heat zone defense. The zone defense really messed with Oklahoma City tonight. Miami busted it out in the first quarter and just rode it the rest of the way. Uh, I think for majority of the game, unless the Thunder pushed in transition really hard and forced Miami to match up instead of getting that zone and didn't give them a chance to sit back and get set up, Miami sat in that zone all night. And that zone really bothered Oklahoma City. And, and, and here's the reason why. Zone defense is designed to prevent points in the paint. Uh, that That's one place where the Heat beat the Thunder, 44 to 34. 34 points is not very many points in the paint for the Thunder. Now, part of that is due to Steven Adams being out tonight. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about his injury here in a bit. But Adams doesn't play. Nerlens gets the start. Uh, Muscala backs him up. Typically, uh, when this team is healthy, you have Adams starting and then Nerlens backing him up. So you have a lot more paint scoring there. So missing Adams was an issue, yes. But the way the zone defense is designed, what a zone defense does is it prevents players from scoring in the paint. Uh, the zone defense doesn't follow a man; it follows a ball. Some of you guys, you some of you listeners, will know this, right? But but just to to so everyone's kind of on the same page here. The zone defense doesn't follow a man; it follows the ball. So when the ball is in the right corner, the zone uh, is all kind of shifted over to the right side of the floor. When the ball is in the left corner, the zone shifts left, right to where you don't have even if you have a man sitting in the right corner. Um, like an offensive player, the defender is typically over at, with at least one foot in the paint. So whenever the ball gets into the lane, all five defenders kind of collapse. That's the idea of the zone. Don't let people score inside. Well, the Thunder really make a living scoring inside, not just through uh, you know Stephen Adams and Nerlens Noel scoring down low, but guys like Schroeder blowing past guys and getting to the rim. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander using that length uh, and attacking those closeouts and getting to the rim. Those aren't available whenever you don't have a single man guarding you. Whenever you have multiple people guarding you, you get past your man. And typically when you get past your man, it's pretty much smooth sailing from there and you're at the rim. But in a zone, when you get past your man, you have the people in the bottom part of the zone collapsing in. And so it makes it really hard to score at the rim. The way you attack a zone is you try to get the ball inside and you make that defense collapse on you and then you kick out to shooters. And the Thunder did that well tonight. Um, they they score four more or four more baskets from three than the Heat. The Thunder shoot 39% from three. That's a really solid percentage. You know, four extra three-point baskets, that's 12 points. You We outscored them by a lot. Uh, from the three-point line. But that zone really messed with Oklahoma City, I thought. Um, caused them to, to have some turnovers. Caused them to have some really stagnant possessions. Uh, early on, they struggled with it. I felt like as the game went on, especially as they got into the fourth quarter, they started to adapt a little bit, and they got more aggressive with it. But I think early on, the Thunder were not aggressive going at that zone a lot. If you would go back and re-watch the tape of this game, what you'll see is from about the 20 to 18 second mark on the shot clock down to about the 8 to 10 second mark on the shot clock. The Thunder are simply uh, passing the ball around the three-point line. 
Someone on the left, uh, typically Schroeder, would pass to the top to Shea, who would pass to the other side to Gallo, who would pass to the corner to Chris, and they would swing it back. Uh, and there was really no dribbling. They were just passing the ball, trying to, to let the ball beat the rotating zone. Uh, and, and the zone does really well against that. that. That's kind of what it's designed against. And so it took a while for the Thunder to get aggressive. Now, when you go to the fourth quarter, they were getting downhill. Chris Paul was coming off screens and getting to that soft spot and pulling up. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was being aggressive, attacking, either scoring layups or getting fouled and going to the free throw line. When they got aggressive, they did well. It's just like they weren't aggressive enough tonight to to win the game. That That's really what it was. Another thing the Thunder struggled with tonight, though, uh, we have to talk about Bam Adebayo. That guy had an absolute hell of a night. Bam Adebayo, 21 points, 7 of 11 shooting, 7 of 10 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and a block. Uh, he was just a monster. The Thunder struggled so much with him. It w- it was it's impressive. Like his development, he's a big that can play some five, can play some four, but also has like some guard like abilities. And the Thunder had moved Gallo onto him and let Nerlens Noel. Sorry, no, they moved Nerlens onto him and let Gallo guard Myers Leonard. You have to think if Adams was healthy tonight and ready to go, that he would have drawn the Bam Adebayo matchup, and that would have been interesting to watch, right? To see if Adams' physicality and size and strength could have kept Adebayo maybe a little off balance because he really bullied uh, anyone who was on him. He could step out. He can pass. Uh, he was putting the ball on the floor and driving to the rim. Uh, he was really difficult for the Thunder to contain tonight. But overall, just the, the Heat's, collective effort they have seven guys in double figures and then one guy who only scored nine points who who was almost at double figures besides that jimmy butler 14 duncan robinson 14 bam Adebayo 21 kendrick nunn 22 kelly olenic 12 Derek jones jr 13 goron Drogic 10 the only person who didn't score on their team was James Johnson in 21 minutes on four shots uh, had zero points. Besides that, all the rest of them nearly made double digits. Just a very balanced scoring night from the Heat um, that really kept the Thunder, I think, on their toes most of the night. You know, you think coming in that that the guy you have to worry about is Jimmy Butler. No. Jimmy Butler only had 14 points. Now he had 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, and a block which is incredible. He just pitched in everywhere. But this team has scores all over the place. And it's it's really impressive what the Heat have done. Because again, you look at guys like a Duncan Robinson, like a Kendrick Nunn, guys that went undrafted, that the Heat picked up basically off the trash heap, off the scrap pile, and have, have worked with them. And these guys are now starting in the NBA and putting up great numbers, playing great offensively and defensively. Like the Heat have that that you have to credit that to number one, the Heat scouting department. And then number two, their culture. And I was thinking about this before this game tonight. I don't know if there's anybody else who can really embody the culture that the Heat have built over the years, like Jimmy Butler. Right? This guy that like 
is just insane. I mean, in training camp, we were hearing stories about Jimmy Butler showing up to the practice facility at like 4 a.m., you know, just like insane, stupid stuff. But that's what like the Heat are all about, right? Hard work, grit. Um, they're they're tough. They're they're team oriented. Like they hold each other accountable. Hell, they don't let they didn't let James Johnson, who was like a freaking black belt, they didn't let him suit up and play at the beginning of the year because he didn't meet his personal fitness goals that they set for him before the season. They set fitness goals for their guys. If you show up with too much body fat percentage or can't do a certain amount of physical things that they require of you, you don't get to play. Like they they have a very high standard and they hold guys accountable. And Jimmy Butler is just kind of the he he embodies that really. And I was just thinking that there's there's maybe not a better fit of the a player and the culture of a team than Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat. Now, like Chris Paul in Oklahoma City, right? That we we as Thunder fans have have started to embrace that, right? Uh, and we think that's a good fit. Um, no, I can't think of any other examples right now, really. Uh, you know, Tim Duncan in, in San Antonio, what would have been like, it, that's the pinnacle. That's like, you, you don't get better than that. But Jimmy Butler in Miami, it just, it just kind of fits. It's, um, it, it works for both parties. And, uh, Jimmy seems to really have elevated the play of those guys around him. So, but before we jump into some more Thunder talk now, I want to take a minute and tell you guys about Untuck It. So have you ever seen an untucked button-down shirt? Uh, If you have, you know, sometimes they don't look good, right? Well, that's because those shirts were not made to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, though. They're the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn outside of your pants, untucked. No matter your shape or size, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on any body type. So Justin from the podcast, that dude's like the jolly green freaking giant. He's six foot seven. Justin's massive. Um, he would give us all buckets. But for, for Justin, shirts typically like the sleeves are too too short or they don't hang down long enough. And if he gets a long enough one, they're way too baggy. For me, I'm not super tall. I'm only 6'1", but I've lost a lot of weight recently. And so now shirts, I feel like when I get them long enough, you can fit like three of me in them. With Untuck It, you don't have to worry about that. They have great combinations for any body type. You can find uh, all their stuff on their website, which is super easy to use. And you can get a whole page devoted to just helping you find what the best fit for you is. So if you're trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It really is the way to go. If you you got casual work, uh, you don't have to wear a a tucked-in shirt and slacks, this is the way to go, guys. Just visit untuckit.com and then use the code BLUE to get 20% off at checkout. That's one-fifth off at checkout. Untuck it, U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com. Promo code BLUE for 20% off. Make sure to check it out. All right, so back to this Thunder versus Heat game. I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about some of these Thunder players and, and some positives and negatives from the night. And to start, 
um, not really a positive or a negative, uh, but just two kind of injury updates. Steven Adams, knee bruise, knee contusion, right knee contusion from the other night, uh, was out in, in warm-ups a little bit today. He, he went through his normal shooting routine pregame, uh, but did not play. Still yet to be determined if he will be available against the Portland Trailblazers on Saturday night. Uh, Nerlens was healthy, though. Nerlens, Nerlens was good to go. And Terrence Ferguson played seven minutes tonight. He, he started the game. He played for seven minutes. He subbed out, and he never returned. Second half, they started Dennis Schroeder in his place as the team said that he was uh, facing some uh, an illness and would not come back. So Hope Ferg is okay. Uh, this happened to him earlier in the year as well. He he didn't come back after the second half or after after halftime into the second half because of an illness. Uh, I know the flu and strep and stuff are going around right now. It's that season. So hopefully Ferg's okay and healthy and, and will be good to go and can kind of get over that bug. But on to some, some player performances here. I thought Nerlens played really well tonight. So first he hit a three. Holy crap, Nerlens Noel hit a three. One of one from the three-point line. I think he's 100% on the season now. But Nerlens, 10 points, six rebounds, three blocks and a steal in 21 minutes. You you Sometimes when you when Adams is out and, and Nerlens is available, you would think Nerlens would get more minutes. Muscala got 27 tonight compared to Nerlens 21. I think a lot of that is just it being Nerland's first game back in six games, so they're they're slowly weaning him back in. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Overall, especially offensively, I thought Nerland's played really well tonight. Uh, no really big complaints or anything there. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Dennis Schroeder. Those two seemed to really struggle against the zone tonight. I talked about how the Thunder as a whole kind of just played passively against that zone until the fourth quarter. Shea and Schroeder seemed like they were two that really struggled against it. Shea, 5 of 13 from the field for 18 points. Schroeder, 6 of 16 for 18 points. Uh, some quick maths in my head. That's 11 of 29 for 36 points. Uh, not the best. Schroeder, 3 of 11 from the three-point line. Shea, 2 of 6. Shea hasn't shot six threes in a while. Schroeder typically doesn't shoot 11 threes. That's a product of settling for that zone rather than uh, rather than attacking, right? So so they struggled a bit. Um, Schroeder did have seven rebounds, eight assists, though. Thought he was maybe going to mess around with the triple-double there for a while. Shea, another eight assists, five rebounds. Um, Shea's assist numbers have been up, which is very promising and very encouraging. It was something I talked about that he needed to develop a little bit more was his floor game, his ability to see the court, see the plays, and and set his teammates up. It seems like he's doing that. Um, I don't know if I consider this one a positive or a negative. I think I'm going to place it right in the middle, which is a total cop-out, but hey, I'm the one recording the podcast, so I get to do that. Hamadou Diallo. 11 points, 6 rebounds, and a steal in 23 minutes. Now, that's a lot of minutes for Hami. Obviously, he's getting those because Terrence Ferguson got sick and could not play the rest of the game. But Hami had an aggressiveness to him tonight, which was encouraging, especially 
on that baseline cut. So the play before, Schroeder tried to toss a lob to Homie. I don't know if Homie just wasn't ready for it and didn't finish it or if the if the lob itself was bad and Homie had to gather it. Anyways, he jumped up, he caught it, he brought, he went down, and then he tried to go back up, and then he missed his layup, and Schroeder was uh, pretty visibly upset with him. And then the next possession down, Homie was in the right corner, and Schroeder drove, Homie cut, Schroeder passed it to him, and Diallo got up and put a dunk all over, all over Kelly Olenek. Um, if you haven't seen yet on the uncontested Twitter account at the underscore uncontested, we have a Hamadou Diallo dunk tank thread, uh, with, um, <laughs> it's one of those gifts that you can edit. And so it's Hami, uh, Hami's face on a guy who's like baptizing somebody. And we put the, the face of whoever he dunks on, on the guy that's getting baptized. So tonight, Hami, uh, Hami baptized Kelly Olenek. So his aggressiveness was encouraging. Um, besides that last guy, I mean, Chris Paul had a good game, right? That we kind of expect that he, it was just a kind of a ho-hum game for Chris Paul. Baisley, nothing that really jumps out on the page. Muscala, nothing that really jumps off the page at you. But man, guys, Danilo Gallinari, this dude is just dumb. He is, he can shoot the piss out of that thing, man. His form, whenever you watch him shoot the basketball and you see like the rotation on the ball and the flick on his wrist, it's insane. It looks effortless. It doesn't look like he's putting any effort at all, any any um, oomph into that shot at all. But the, he flicks that wrist and the ball just rotates at an incredible rate. And every time he shoots it, I just think it's going in. Gallinari tonight. 7 of 12 from the three-point line, 6 of 7 from the free-throw line, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. He had 27 points in 33 minutes. He was incredible. This guy is stringing together just some great, great, great performances. I talked about it the other day on the podcast with Brandon Rabar from Daily Thunder. Danilo Gallinari is kind of the unsung hero of this team. He's so good. But he gets overshadowed by the the all-star Chris Paul, by the rising kid and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, by by the love of the, the home guy, Steven Adams. Danilo Gallinari is just so damn good. And I keep saying this, but I would love to be a fly on the wall in Presti's office and just hear all the phone calls he's getting and all, see all the texts he's getting about Danilo Gallinari. Because it's got to be a lot. He's getting tons of them. Tons of them. Almost every team in the league should want this guy. He's on a good contract. His contract expires this summer. You you would probably be able, if even if you traded for him without um, him extending before the trade or agreeing to an extension, even if he hits free agency this summer, it's not like a lot of good teams have cap space. So if you get him in now and get his bird rights, there's a really good chance he's going to re-sign with you anyways. He would help nearly anybody in the NBA. He's such a good player. Um, and and he had just an absolute hell of a night tonight. So shout out to Danilo Gallinari. Hopefully he can re- recreate it tomorrow against the Portland Trailblazers. So before we get out of here, I wanted to make sure that I hit 
your Twitter questions tonight. I didn't get a whole lot, but we got a handful, and I wanted to make sure I answered them for you guys. So let's burn through these real quick. First one is from at hi, I'm Ashley09, who asks, can we get Dort back from the G League and launch Burton into the sun? Well, Ashley, launching Burton into the sun, um, that would be a task. I don't know if NASA has the technology to do that. Maybe they do. I don't know. But to get Dort back, yes, that would be nice. So the two-way players are limited to 45, I think it's 45 days with the NBA team. That includes game days and practice days. Any days they're active with the NBA team, they're counting towards that 45-day clock. Now, the Thunder have an open roster spot. I would guess that before the season is over, Dort's contract gets converted. But maybe part of it is they're saving those those days for Dort. The other part is that Dort's been injured. He's had a right knee injury for a little while. He's missed a handful of G League games because of it. I've been down covering the G League. I got to see Justin Patton's 45-point game live the other night. That was a blast. But so Dort has also been hurt, so he he's not getting called up. But I'm with you. Uh, getting Dort in there might be uh, a better alternative to to Deontay Burton for right now. Next Twitter question from at Time Form Us Figs says, Time to decide, right? Either make the trades and go full rebuild or make the trades and add some depth. Which is it going to be? So I think a lot of Thunder fans are kind of waiting on this answer, man. But I don't know if they're going to go one way or the other. What if they just ride this out for the season and then they trade Schroeder and Gallinari and like they, they extend Gallinari, they sign and trade him, they trade Schroeder, they try to find a, a Chris Paul deal over the summer. I think that's a possibility, uh, but I would expect the Thunder to do something at the trade deadline. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, it's coming up. It's coming up quick, so, so we'll see soon. Uh, and speaking on that, from our, our last Twitter question, at John Edwin 755 any info on when, the Thunder, when a Thunder trade is going down? I'm so nervous, but I'm ready to see who we trade. Well, John, I don't know, but what I can tell you is the NBA trade deadline is just a hair under three weeks away. So if something's going to happen, it is going to happen relatively soon. You know those trade talks league-wide are picking up. So guys, with that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here because we got another one of these coming your way in 24 hours. Tomorrow, Saturday, I guess it would be today for you guys listening. The Thunder are playing the Portland Trailblazers. It's going to be interesting. Dame almost sat tonight with an illness. It seemed like he was coming down uh, maybe with the flu or something. And then CJ McCollum rolled his ankle down in Dallas tonight. So the two star guards of Portland may not be ready to go tomorrow night. Thunder may also be on some tired legs. At least both teams will be on the second night of a back-to-back. We will be back with you then. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. Hey, enjoy. Some of you guys might have a long weekend because Martin Luther King Day. Enjoy the long weekend. We'll have a podcast for you Saturday night. And then another one Monday morning, our typical weekly group podcast. So we'll talk to you guys then. As always, Thunder Up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.